The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. Well, I'm going to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Water Lifetime. For many of you that have heard about the show or have been listening to the show through the years, I know many of you are scientists and physicians and, and technical people. The show started, as we all know, for myself and all of us to pioneer how serious the issue of water on our planet that we live together is to all life. It's something we share with the planet's nature, our nature, and all the the life to come. It's long-term. It's for eternity. One time when we had a scientist on here, he said, Sharon, I don't know if we can add eternity to that description. Well, we're going to. What we can do is make sure that the water is safe and all that we need for what is necessary for the water, for the life on earth to live. In the beginning of time, as I've described before, and I won't quit describing it, the earth had its ball of water. The water was clear around the ball of earth. The way the earth lived with that water in the air, we'll call it water vapor, a mist, a very fine mist, it worked with the universe as a solar system, moving very, very, very slow, in unison, in rhythm, algorithm behavior with all of the planets. But something happened billions of years ago. The water vapor of the water around all of earth was no longer just a mist. It became a droplet of rain that evaporated. And if I could teach you anything, anyone listening, is what we study and what we want to learn is how important the water is to all life and diseases to find cures and symptoms. What is evaporation of water loss? Water evaporation is daily water loss. You need it to keep an energy of bringing the water evaporation together. It'll be your body is 80%, 75% or 80% water. Why? Because in your mother's womb, you were nourished to live and developed with nature in water. Earth began with water vapor around the earth and its vapor. It became a heavier evaporation as a droplet. It came down. Rain came. And as the rain came down, That's where we're at today. Life began in water. All life began in water. In your body, there's a percentage of water per organ. But once you arrive to that birthing moment, 
away from your mother's pocket of water and you'll enter, enter into the air we breathe, the water vapor that we breathe. That's what keeps you alive. Now, we're going to keep pounding that subject. Water vapor is keeping you alive when you've left your pocket of water of your mother's pocket of water. But you begin at that moment evaporation from the body because you're no longer snuggled in that sack of water. You begin to evaporate to severe dehydration. What is a symptom? Severe dehydration from head to toe, whichever part of the body is going to be. It's not going to be all at once until you pass away and you're dead. Then all of a sudden, gone. Severe dehydration. You died. So what we can teach you is the planet Earth is going through the same identical evolving. It's also going through the nature of its lifespan to hopefully we can slow it down to work for eternity. The fresh water on the planet on the surface also is evaporating. The water vapor of the air we're living in is evaporating, and you're over-evaporating. That is your symptom, is water loss, evaporation. So when we bring our guests on, we try to study together and and discuss together as, as a team in scientific discoveries of what we can learn about what those symptoms are and what can be done with that symptom for you to learn how to deal with that symptom so you can learn to be more proactive or if you're going to a doctor, you can assist the doctor. Don't let the poor doctor cannot do it by themselves. You need to be the manager of your health when you see the doctor. You need to every day be in the Health Olympics so that you can manage your health We all have to. I have to. We all do. Those of us who study for all these years and bring together the teams of scientists and people who are studying together, we all know we're doing this together to study because we're all capable of learning something new from each other. But there's five things I've always said to you to learn. You must learn how to breathe that water vapor. Those breathing exercises are vital. Go to the website, look up breathing exercises. Dr. Chow, go over to Dr. Effie Chow's site, how to breathe. Number two, drink a ton of water. Can you overdrink water right now? No, because you won't have the time to overdrink it anyway. So drink a lot of water, and when you drink it, one whole glass at a time, up to eight to ten glasses through a 24-hour period. Number three, that we're learning through scientists and what Dr. Payton has been teaching us. And Dr. Esselstyn, and the author of the China study, what you're eating is who you are. Your health is what you eat, how you evaporate. You don't want to over-evaporate because then your symptoms will be out of control. You want to balance that out for you personally. Because remember, when you're born, this is something to teach you. There are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, no two people are running around just looking just exactly alike. That evaporation of water loss is not only who you are uniquely, but remember the diet is so important to you individually. Moderate exercise. We're all guilty. How much exercise do we get or do we get too much? That could over-evaporate too. The last one, sleeping. The earth goes to sleep. You need to learn to sleep. Do breathing exercises before you go to sleep. If you should wake up, 
do breathing exercises. That's our planet. Our planet is living with us with that same rhythm, doing exactly that, breathing, the water, the food, nutrition to the earth, the vapor of the water, the movement with the solar system as it's exercise and what it's doing on earth, and it takes a sleep. If we learn how to think that way, the earth will last for eternity, and maybe, like Dr. Pollock and I've said on the show from the University of Washington, maybe you could learn to live very healthy with a new great lifestyle and maybe be 150 years old and still look good. We could slow aging, but it's going to take all of us to do this together. Today we have a Dr. Wine on. He's a medical technologist, technologist and clinical laboratory scientist from USC Medical Center. And in 1978, he had earned a degree as a family practice physician assistant. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun learning from him today. And we're going to talk about diabetes, type 2. And I'm going to get him into some other things that I've been studying, too, about it. So we're going to learn more about your blood, and we're going to learn more about what's happening with diabetes because it's out of control. I think you need to be more proactive, and maybe we can solve that problem with everybody before it happens. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know the surface of your eye? Yes, is 99% water, the surface of your eye. Did you know in the womb, your eye and the brain are connected at the same breath of moment, and the brain is 80 to 85% water? So when you enter into that water vapor to live, to breathe, and begin your life, those eyes begin to evaporate. What is vision impairment? What are vision complaints? All the way to potential blindness. Blindness is out of control. It's every second. Because of over-evaporation of the surface of the eye. They came to me years ago, and they said, could you supplement that with your research? We did. And they supported us nationwide, from universities, physicians, doctors from all walks of life, individuals, from border to border, to launch Nature's Tears Eye Mist to be the first supplement to be able to replace the lost moisture of the eye with a humidifying application. It's like the toothbrush. You need to use it every day for once or twice or as often as you wish to try to slow down the problems of dry eye. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Daryl Wine. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Daryl, are you with us? I am, Sharon. Good morning. Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Um, I want to tell the audience that you um, introduced you, you are Daryl Wine, and that you're a clinical laboratory scientist for more than 20 years and a physician assistant for 17. Correct. And started extensive research in type 2 diabetes when you yourself were diagnosed with it. I and, was. Um, tell us about your young life, though. Uh, how did you end up doing, besides the fact that you're now into research, but how, what, how did you end up where you're at today? What was your life, your childhood like? Well, my, my childhood, I, I, I grew up in uh, Modesto, California. Uh, my dad was a clinical lab scientist, and I kind of followed him around since, ever since I can remember. And it uh, just seemed like a natural progression for me to, to follow him into that profession because I was so familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But after 20 years of that, uh, a doctor friend and mentor said, you know, you, you, you really ought to look into becoming a physician assistant, a PA, mm-hmm. and practice medicine. And uh, so that, mm-hmm. that then intrigued me, and the more he bugged me about it, the more I started mm-hmm. looking into it. And so uh, mm-hmm. finally... my mind in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I uh, finally pursued that. It was actually difficult to get into to PA school because I was considered overqualified at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> had to go or I didn't have to, I chose to go back and uh, retake anatomy and physiology just to kind of make it easier to hopefully to get into APA school. Found mm-hmm. that the, it was very difficult to get into a junior college course when you already have a college degree. Mm-hmm. But uh, I ultimately <laughs> just I thought of it. waited in the back of the classroom until the first exam and the half of the uh-huh. class dropped. And I ended up at the top of the class for both those classes. Uh, what did you do, Daryl? Take, take a test and, and flunk it so you could prove that you needed it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right. Anyhow, I finally, after oh. interviewing four times to two different PA programs, Mm-hmm. Uh, and got turned down all four times. Uh, mm-hmm. They looked at my situation as as a clinical laboratory scientist. I just worked with machines and not people. And that's obviously not true in my case. I worked in small laboratories where I did all my own blood drawing, EKGs. Mm-hmm. I had lots of interaction with patients. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, finally, I got into UC Davis off the wait list. They apparently picked up some extra grant money. And um, so I got into the program in 1997, finished mm-hmm. uh, 1999. And during mm-hmm. my second year, my final year, is when I developed this disease myself. Mm-hmm. And boy, mm-hmm. it was a shocker to me. Um, my granddad 
had had it on my dad's side, and I remember watching him take insulin shots. Mm-hmm. This was at, in, during the part of my training where we hadn't covered endocrinology and diabetes yet, so I, I mm-hmm. didn't really know much about type 2 diabetes, hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And the traditional approach uh, then and today is to simply start somebody on a medication and uh, tell them, give them a meter, tell them poke their finger every morning and record, you know, what your fasting blood sugar is. And, uh, oh, by the way, cut down on sugar and lose weight. And that's about the extent of the conversation. Right, I remember all that. (laughs) Yeah, and that just wasn't working. It wasn't making much of a difference to me. (laughs) And so I started looking into it. Uh, my research was not formal research. It was trial and error and uh, talking to other people that had the disease. And uh, it ended up finding out that a diet was by far the most important thing that, that uh, I could do uh, to control my blood sugars. Right. And so right. ever since then, that's what I've been doing and been very successful at it for myself and Mm -hmm. teaching my patients uh, the same approach and uh, have been very successful Mm -hmm. with my patients. It's become my specialty. I'm still Mm -hmm. practicing. It's Mm -hmm. also become my passion. And after 16 years or so of long discussions with new diabetic patients and handwriting lists of foods to eat and foods to avoid, mm-hmm. someone suggested, why don't you just write a book? Right. And that's what I did. Now, your book is, um, your book is uh, where can they find the book? It's called Type 2 Diabetes, The Owner's Manual. Um, where can they find it? It's on Amazon and other online booksellers. Uh-huh. Um, the Amazon uh, dot com has all three versions. It's a paperback. Uh, it's mm-hmm. available in the Kindle version and also as an audio book. Mm-hmm. The paperback. Now, uh, yeah. D- d- what are some of the symptoms before we get into what you're doing uh, that you're going to teach the audience? Sure, and that's to be proactive. Excellent. What were some of your particular symptoms? Do you remember anything? That's an excellent question, and the the answer is. There are no symptoms for a long time. Until your blood sugar gets way out of control, there are no mm-hmm. symptoms. In fact, no exhaustion, the, no exhaustion, no nope. anxiety, no nope. Uh, change. Mm-hmm. Nope, nothing like that. And that's why it's estimated that there are at least 80 million people in the United States that already have early type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes and Mm -hmm. don't know it because there are no Mm -hmm. symptoms. The symptoms Mm -hmm. that I finally experienced um, my second year of medical school was I noticed that my vision had changed slightly. I couldn't read the the highway signs quite as well until I got closer. I thought that was strange because my vision hadn't changed in many, many years, my eyeglass Mm -hmm. prescription. Uh, I didn't give it much thought, um, but one night uh, with my classmates, we went out to uh, have Chinese food, and uh, I love Chinese food, especially the noodles and the rice, and I ate plenty of that. 
got back to my my hotel room and found that I could not get enough water in my mm-hmm. stomach. I couldn't hold enough to quench my thirst. Mm-hmm. And that that that's the one symptom that we do see when people's blood sugars get up over 400. Um, and so yeah. that was kind of a clue. The next day I was back in clinic, I checked my blood sugar one morning, and after having had, I think, some fruit and a bagel, uh, and found it was over 450. Mm-hmm. And that was a real shocker to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also a commercial pilot and flight instructor and had worked my way through college teaching aviation. And mm-hmm. I, the first thing I thought of, there goes, there goes my flying. I, I just yeah. assumed diabetics couldn't fly airplanes. Mm-hmm. Turns out that's not necessarily the truth. If you can... now, I'm going to ask you then um, on the water. You know that my world has been water. Study yes. of water and evaporation, and uh, my team, my scientific group, has known people all over the world, and right. um, we dove into water and evaporation, and and diabetics. Now you just told me too that definitely there's a de- serious dehydration effect that's yes. happening. Um, let's start out by you telling us what you recommend to people to maybe be proactive. Is there a a proactive direction to go and then to maybe before it would happen? And then when you think you could be getting symptoms of what might be low sugar, high sugar, whatever, that you can learn to put yourself on a discipline of thinking about it, learning more about yourself. Or if you've been diagnosed now, then you're diagnosed what do you do after you're being diagnosed? But I kind of like, uh, you know what we might do? Let's start out with a diagnosis. Okay. Of, uh, the, the person has been diagnosed. What do you recommend they do to ass- do what you've done to assist it so that you're, you're also learning how to discipline yourself? Sure. So I uh, very frequently uh, diagnose new onset type 2 diabetes in my patients, new patients that come to me, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just uh, coming in for a checkup or, mm-hmm. or maybe they're already on blood pressure medicines and they need refills or so forth. And I do lab mm-hmm. work and discover that, uh, that they meet the criteria to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. The first thing I do is uh, sit down with them and give them an excerpt from my book. I call it my short lists. Uh, the first short list is the foods to avoid, and it's the, the sugary foods and the starchy foods. Carbohydrates is the fancy word we use to describe sugars and starches. Right, glucose, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then the second short list is foods that they can eat pretty much as, uh, at, at will that will not affect their blood sugar at all. Mm-hmm. That's where I start them. And uh, I don't ask them to, to get a meter and poke their finger because for type 2 diabetes, that's really not very useful information. Mm-hmm. What we do is once they've started on the low-carbohydrate diet, we give the three months and we check a blood test called hemoglobin A1C, which 
indicates what the blood sugar has averaged literally minute by minute for the last three months. And that's the test mm-hmm. that we use to monitor uh, all diabetics. Mm-hmm. And if they are at the goal of what we're looking for is usually less than 6.5 as the value for that test. If they're at that goal, then that's all we need to do is maintain the diet that they're following. We don't need Mm -hmm. medication. Mm -hmm. If, however, we're not at the goal, then I will question them about how closely they're following the diet or how willing they are to follow the diet. You see why I use the word discipline. Yes. And now it, uh, it's, um, we have to learn. It's, it's, it's tough. Our impulsiveness as a human life, as a behavior, yes. is that impulsiveness is a crave. And follow me for a second. I'm totally convinced that that crave is, is the evaporation that's happening. And follow me for a second, Daryl, on this one. When that body arrives to that birth moment, the body is losing an evaporation. It's evaporating water immediately because it just left that pocket of water. Certainly. No two eyes alike, no two fingerprints and more. Everybody has a little different look. Everybody's going to live unique, but they don't think that way, but they are. They're all living uniquely individual. Yes. As you come along in your life, if you haven't learned this lifestyle and discipline not to be impulsive, our symptoms are subjective to these weaknesses of individuality. And where I come from is watching that evaporation, is that evaporation is the signal that the body is over-evaporating, building up too much toxin on overload. I call the toxin very crudely, and I know it's not too nice. I call it manure, and it heats up in there Mm -hmm. and then over-evaporates you again. By the way, it's what's happening. People have to learn to read themselves, as you did, uh, for yourself. We all have to read ourselves, watch our rhythm, understand what the body is saying to us. But there's a craving. And when that body has a crave, it's almost frightening in a way because is it really a craving? Is it something healthy that you're craving? Because once you put that on your tongue, and the body craves it before you get on them, but once you get it on your tongue, what does that crave signal? It could signal over evaporation, Daryl. Sure. So we have to learn as an individual um, what the crave uh, could do to us. So you're saying in type 2 diabetics, they need to be thinking about um, the carbohydrate, which is, gosh, there's so much carbohydrate. And um, it tastes good. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. And uh, because it causes a craving, too. Have you yes. ever had, I'll ask you this, Daryl. Have you ever had anything that you can't eat, just one? So you know if you eat one, you're going to have more? What's your weakness on that? Well, I, I would say my, my weakness used to be probably pasta and bread were my biggest pasta weaknesses. And bread. Yeah, a lot but, of people say uh, chips and uh, chocolate. One of my people said M&M's. They said you have to eat the whole bag. Yeah. One person said one time, believe it or not, cherries. But the thing is, is that that body is doing a craving. Sure. So what you're saying, the type 2 diabe- diabetics, they better figure it out 
to run an, a healthier lifestyle of, of discipline, what what their uniqueness is as a person that they have to stay away from, kind of like eating peanuts and being allergic to it. Exactly. You better stay away from it, right? Exactly. And that's one of the examples that I use in my book, too, that, that uh, carbohydrates are toxic to people who can't process uh, carbohydrates correctly and keep blood sugar in normal ranges, just mm-hmm. like other things like peanuts and uh, mm-hmm. alcohol and various other things can be toxic mm-hmm. to some people, but mm-hmm. not so for others. Right. That's where that uniqueness comes in. One thing that now, I... Now, are some of the foods that you recommend? Now, of course, I'm going to say, I hope you're recommending a lot of water. <laughs> oh, yes. Definitely. Uh, water, water is, and I don't need to, to tell you, you're the expert here on water, but water always is, is a top importance. But as far as solid foods, the foods that have little to no carbohydrates in them are things like eggs, cheeses, meats, fish, uh, most green vegetables, and a few non-green also, such as the uh, summer squashes, you know, yellow crookneck squash, things like that. That's mm-hmm. not green, mm-hmm. but it's a low-carbohydrate vegetable. Um, mm-hmm. And half of my book is literally tables of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of foods showing how much carbohydrate is in each one. So Mm -hmm. besides my short list, which show the very worst and the very lowest in carbohydrate, they can also look up anything they want just pretty much Mm -hmm. in the book. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be like, you know, we had had doctors on here and, I always bring him up, but Dr. Philip Payton, he's an ophthalmologist, and he got into studying food and whole food eating, and he became friends with Dr. Esseltine with Prevent Heart Disease. Have you read that book? Uh, No, I have not. Have you read the China study? I have not. Yeah, you have to get those. And uh, there are books on the new diet, the diet, not getting into these fad diets, but the diet for a lifestyle to where you need to learn how to think about these certain discoveries they've made. But, but Dr. Payton, as an ophthalmologist, has turned a lot of his patients around in their health because uh, and eyes and more uh, by understanding what you have to eat. And sure, you can cheat once in a while, but if you should cheat, you better not cheat for a couple of days because right. you've got to work that, you know, you've got to get that, that um, digestion to that, that evaporation cannot be overtaxed. I call it evaporation. Um, but back to the diet. Um, for you to learn, too, from, and we'll talk more about this after our break, but the Earth is going through the same thing, Daryl. Yes. The planet's nature is when people look out the window and they see the Earth, they're not realizing the planet Earth is a living organism. We're a living organism. Water is a living organism. All plant life is a living organism. It's all going through this together. And that over-evaporation of a water loss is all happening out of control. And the world is in a water crisis. But when they talk climate change, one of my scientists that I use is a very dear friend now from NASA, 
Dr. Dwayne Cecil, been with the science for over 40 years, he said, Sharon, climate change means water. And, and it, that is something they're not telling everybody. But we're in a climate, we're in a crisis because the planet is going through, Daryl, a change of not enough because it's over evaporating too quickly. So, of course, that's going to affect human life and its over evaporation of its body and its water loss and how it's surviving because of the symptoms are identical to what Earth's going through. Identical. Wow. Now, we're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and don't go anywhere. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what is happening with diabetes diabetes worldwide. It's not just in America. We'll be right back. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that the surface of your eye is 99% water? Well, Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide patented with a description of water for the first time in history to be able to supplement the eyes, like you brush your teeth, to supplement the eyes to slow down that evaporation process so that you will have a healthier eye and be able to maintain your vision, hopefully to not go to blindness. And that's what they brought us in for, is to study that. And we developed the product with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Daryl Wine. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, Daryl, we were talking about uh, the nutrition, the diet. and yeah. Of course, I brought up water, and I've had my secretary look up Bonnie um, to, to drinking water and diabetes for yes. the diabetic. Have you? You can say tell the audience it is a dehydration effect that's happening to the diabetic. That when they have these symptoms, and and they're not in, it's not a controlled symptom. Um, they do get into severe dehydration, don't they? Certainly, when when the blood sugar concentration gets high enough, uh, mm-hmm. the body's natural reaction is to dilute that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what causes the, the thirst. But uh, the, right. the blood sugar does have to get up 
pretty high before you have that symptom. Now, the body's going through the thirst before you, you actually know it's a thirst. Yes. But you can almost recognize it maybe, Daryl. What are some of the symptoms? Uh, eyes that are having challenges, uh, sluggishness, maybe some irritability, ir- uh, people being a little irritated. Not. What are some of the symptoms that might show that the body is going through that de- severe dehydration during that moment? Well, other than other than when the blood sugar gets uh, well above 400 and and the mm-hmm. uh, thirst comes on, I estimate mm-hmm. that 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 night with the Chinese food when I was in school, mm-hmm. mine was probably in the 600 range. I was so wow. ravenously ravenously yeah. thirsty. Um, wow. But there just are no telltale symptoms, other mm-hmm. than I did mention that the vision can change if the blood sugar. Mm-hmm stays above 300 for a while, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it actually mm-hmm. causes the corneas of the eye to swell, and that right. will change the vision somewhat. Now, uh, people have, uh, something I was, I was thinking before we came back on, as people have gone blind being yes. diabetic. Oh, that's, that's one of the huge risks. In fact, uh, right. you'd mentioned cravings a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to get back to that just briefly. Okay, do. We all have cravings. And mm-hmm. one of the tools that I use personally and that I share with my patients, and uh, it's in the book, it's the only um, drawing actually in the book, is I commissioned a young artist to draw a person sitting in a uh, room um, but beside a dialysis machine, the person has dark glasses and uh, the typical blind person's cane. This person has mm-hmm. both legs amputated below the knees. Um, and I encourage my patients, as I have done over the years, to keep that vision or bring that vision into focus in my mind when I mm-hmm. have cravings. Mm-hmm. Because if I allow my blood sugar to remain out of control, mm-hmm. uh, that's that what's going to happen. I'm going to end up being blind, kidney failure. Um, the part I couldn't show in the illustration was nerve damage. There's tremendous mm-hmm. nerve damage throughout mm-hmm. the body, starting mm-hmm. with the feet, numbness or pain in the feet. Uh, mm-hmm. Most type 2 diabetics... Uh, that remain uncontrolled will die of heart disease compounded by kidney failure. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we're back to that water evaporation. Is um, The body has to maintain a certain proportion of water, percentage of water per organ. And, yes. and, and I'm going to be a little crude again, but when that word toxin, I'm going to be more common sense that manure what came to my thinking one time is I had on my show one of the largest organic farmers in the country out of, I think it was North Dakota, and he was telling me how he tilled those fields to use less water to draw moisture out of the air to the soil, and he was telling us how that manure and that hay uh, mixed up, and then you do that ever so seasonally, and you keep that up, and and then, of course, then I came back, of course, with my research, and I said, well, what you're doing is you're keeping that soil in a, in a temperature to where it'll draw moisture out of the air, and they'll work together with the evaporation. And he said, that's right. 
You don't have to use as much water. Well, the body can be is that same identical relationship as when that toxin manure is in that cell and that manure is heating up and it grabs on to another cell and it keeps grabbing on to another cell. The body needs more water. The body is not evaporating the way it should to live with the water vapor of the air. And Daryl, sometime I, I keep telling everybody in the show lately because August 22nd, we had a really good show with a doctor that I have on here ever so often, Dr. Gerald Pollack, uh, PhD from University of Washington, studying body water. They found a fourth water in the body. And he and I had one show there that absolutely just grabbed on and didn't let go. I'm telling the world, you're, we're a walking battery. We're water. And that, that water vapor of the air when that baby's born is your lifestyle. In other words, it's absorbing with you and you're in the battery energizing electrolytically with that baby, with that water as a baby. And as you begin to develop, your whole life is a battery charged with that water vapor. So the body's water to live has to slow down that vapor. I think if you guys can hear this out here, I've got somebody out here on our campus blowing. So I don't know how long it's going to last. But anyway, uh, back to uh, that evaporation, you see why that person's weaknesses is, number one, it required more water proactively than maybe somebody who didn't have the symptom weakness to become diabetic. Maybe the weakness, Daryl, could be something else, another sure. disease of some kind. Sure. I, I like that battery like analogy. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, the word diseases, I've had challenges through my research and my years for the word disease. Uh, what is the disease? Uh, what is the symptom? What is the, what is happening? We've got to get back to, like Dr. Pollock and I said, and I'm sure you've said to your patient, get to common sense. Let's use common sense. Right. And each individual's common sense as a person to live. Now, there's another one I like to bring up, and I hope you're, you think about this if you're not doing it. These people, all of us, have to learn how to breathe, too. Daryl, we're not breathing. See, what happens to that baby as it comes to the air to live, that baby should be given breathing exercises, not just how to walk. Because that breathing in and out and letting that carbon dioxide out on the breath of pushing out through the mouth coming out of the body individually, that person has to breathe in that moisture, that that water vapor, and push it out of the body, the carbon dioxide, to assist the body how to live with that electrolytically as a battery. And as as number two, on the water to drink, I've had people, and I always kind of chuckle, but it happens, they'll say, oh, yeah, I drink a lot of water. I drink this many a day. And I'll say, but how do you drink it? Oh, I sip. I'm sipping. I said, you can't do it. I sip it. Daryl, would you, would you go over to your favorite plant and just give it a sip every once in a while? No, probably not. Yeah, you got it. You got to drink the whole darn glass to let it make a decision how to absorb. Sure. So they're not drinking water. They're not drinking water. Yeah. The other, the other one is uh, the food, like you've said. Those dark greens have a purpose. Those dark green vegetables like kale and broccoli and asparagus and, and arugula and these dark green vegetables, 
had a purpose to give you the nutritional strengthening that your body needs. And we're finding that carbohydrates, our uh, glucose, let's just call it to the pancreas, are an enemy. And, uh, and there's some, maybe some people, <laughs> Daryl, I'm married for 53 years to a man from Holland, a Dutchman. He sits down and eats all that, and I just look at him like, <laughs> you saw what he ate yesterday, every day, every day. <laughs> and, and I've been teaching him, I've been doing nutrition for 53 years with his diet. He's never sick ever. We're never sick. But I look at him like, how do you do that? Right. <laughs> he'll push in the noodles. He'll push in the rice. He'll push in the potatoes. And, he, oh, and, and if you ever met anybody, a man from Holland, he, from the old world, he's 76. He puts it all up in a pile. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just praying for him every day, but so far, so good. He never said. But back to all of us and our lifestyle and where we live, too has a lot to do with it. If you're living in a heavily populated city, you're more prone because yeah. all those bodies around you that are tugging and pulling with your body Certainly. to breathe. Certainly. To breathe. You, you mentioned the greens, and that's, that's uh, so very important. There are very important vitamins and minerals along with fiber that are right. in green vegetables. And right. that's one of the things that I point out to my patients uh, who, when they, when they see that I advocate avoiding fruits and fruit juices in the beginning, they say, well, I thought we were supposed to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Well, if you have a blood sugar problem, you're going to get the vitamins and minerals from the vegetables, but you want to mm-hmm. avoid the sugar in the fruit. because Even natural sugar. That you yeah. just brought up something. Just because it's natural sugar doesn't mean that if you uh, have a tendency to be diabetic and you feel something after you've eaten, let's just say, a watermelon or a cantaloupe or grapes. Grapes are, are enemies. Yes. Enemies or, to, or to diabetics. Pro, pro, who could be, oh, it's an enemy. Nobody, they shouldn't be eating grapes. And it's so full of sugar. Yeah. In fact, absolutely. I'm surprised they don't have... Uh, Grape sugar on the market, <laughs> right? And what people people neglect to rec- to remember is that where do we get table sugar? Well, we get it from either sugar cane, which is a plant, or sugar beets, which is a plant. And yeah. all we do is concentrate it, right. and we we don't change it molecularly. It's identical to what's in uh, plants, fruit especially. Now that you're bringing this up, what about that new uh, alcohol that's based to use in place of sugar? It's a to give you the flavor, but it's called an alcohol. Sugar alcohol. In there, sugar, sugar alcohol. alcohol. There's, there's there. lots and of them. There's lots now, of them. Now, can a diabetic have that? Yes. Because yes. I've wondered about it. Because I've wondered if that would over evaporate the person. I don't mean um, because it's called alcohol, but I'm, because it's. Uh, it's a nutrient that could over-evaporate. It's actually not a nutrient because we don't actually break down sugar alcohols. They don't have the okay. nutritive okay. value. Okay, I didn't know that. And it only okay. takes a small amount to, to sweeten something without sugar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you take more than a small amount, it's likely to cause diarrhea. So, okay. you know, mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. goes a long ways. So it's, like if you're having... Very, uh, 
they are very poisonous. You're having a, something like a breakfast, and you want a sugar, and you want to pour. What about um, the um, agave nectar? Is that is that too much sugar? Yes, it is. Okay. But okay. stevia or sucralose, um, splenda, those are my favorites that I use. Okay. And be careful because it can be too sweet. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't mean it's harmful to you, but it just means yuck. Right. <laughs> it tastes right. Right. Mm-hmm. And a banana, now, by the way. Now, what does a person do to get their protein level? Um, now, my doctor team are talking about, my, they, one of them, like Dr. Payton, I told you about, loves whole foods. And he is that strict with himself. Um, have you learned how these people, if you build up on certain protein in their body, that'll counterbalance it? Well, protein is uh, is the nutrient, protein and fat, by the way, are the nutrients mm-hmm. that diabetics can utilize and avoid carbohydrates. Your, our liver and kidneys, by the way, which is something I learned not too long ago, the kidneys play a part, uh, can convert proteins or fats into just enough glucose to use as a fuel without overloading us with glucose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a person, and, and this is, this is a, a, a fallacy that has persisted for a long time, is that mm-hmm. we need a minimum of 130 grams of carbohydrates a day because that's the amount that uh, our nervous system uses. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, the, there is no minimum. We do not have to take in any carbohydrates at all. Yeah, I'm going to ask you something uh-huh. there while you because I have I'm a I'm a radio talk show host. We interrupt a lot. <laughs> I know it's really annoying to everybody, but wonder if, you know, yeah, aren't we? Shouldn't we be concerned in research that those sometimes they came to conclusions on some of these findings that maybe were too soon, uh, or maybe not quite right, or is it just because? So like when I'm studying the evaporation of water loss, living with the vapor of the air, people are evaporating even more so every more than we've dreamt that as an individual, maybe we, they didn't study enough of different individuals who are affected by uh, some of these old things that they found out long ago that they haven't brought to date that maybe more people are affected now than they used to be. Um, by some of these descriptions of, of educational methods that people should be considering, um, educational new um, discoveries of, uh, of what people need to learn. Uh, well, like It's kind of like eating carrots for your eyes. Well, we're finding out now that if you drink a lot of water and you eat the right foods like dark green, that'll help your eyes. Sure. For diabetics, and especially being proactive, so you wouldn't become hopefully a diabetic, um, that you could be learning how to be proactive uh, to pre- hopefully prevent yourself becoming a diabetic. Absolutely. And um, just uh, staying away from sugar and high fructose corn syrup as much as possible from, from birth on uh, and trying to get rid of this childhood obesity epidemic that we're having can make a well, big Well, you know difference. what might have done it too, Daryl, is as you're talking there, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is ramen noodles. Oh, yeah. How many children 
the parents were feeding them ramen noodles every day. Well, we lived on that in college. Yeah. But uh, that's junk, absolutely junk. Right. The, right. the noodles are just simple, pure starch that within an hour after eating it, it becomes pure sugar in your body. Right. Oh, my gosh, yes. And those ramen noodles and then, of course, that powder that you put in it is so full of sodium. That right. flavoring. <clears throat> yeah, there's another one. And, of course, sodium. Yeah, you haven't brought up sodium. What does sodium do to affect diabetics? So I don't think sodium is part of the diabetic problem. In fact, actually, sodium has had kind of a bad rap. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to find an article, in fact, earlier this morning to share with a patient that that the recent studies have shown that that the people who stay under the, what's the current recommended maximum of, of sodium uh, in a day actually are more prone to heart disease than if they had more than that. So That's uh, what I was wondering, too, many times through my years of study is that the body has to hold that water vapor, that water in the body to not over-evaporate. Yes. And if people are not careful, there's not a moderate amount of sodium every day to help you slow that down. Right. Um, It's not going to be the sugar that's going to slow it down. It's going to be having a balance of sodium. Right. You're right. You're right. An interesting thing that, that popped up here in September... Uh, New York Times, there's an article September 12 that uh, back in the 60s, the sugar industry actually paid off some Harvard researchers uh, to to try to take the uh, shift the blame for heart disease away from sugar and instead towards saturated fats, and that's how this whole uh, uh, food pyramid popped up back in the 70s. Oh. And uh, now we know that that's precisely the opposite of what is true. We only have a moment left for you. Um, Run me over, but do you know what they left off on that pyramid? Water. Yes, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and water is a food. Yep, it certainly it's a is. Living organism, food, and that. But what would you like to say to your audience before you go? Well, I would like to encourage them if they have, uh, if they're even slightly overweight. Um, if they're over uh, 25 years old, they should go in, see their doctor, and mm-hmm. get their lipids tested. The mm-hmm. first thing uh, that shows up in prediabetes in most cases is elevated triglycerides, mm-hmm. uh, usually along with low HDL cholesterol levels. And you can, you'll find that I can diagnose prediabetic people at least 10 years before they actually develop the disease just from lipid testing. Now, your book, they can go and look for your book, Type 2 Diabetes, The Owner's Manual. Yes. And I'm sorry we're out of time, but I enjoyed every minute of it. If you ever have want to come on again, then we'll discuss it because it could lead on to other things, too, that are symptoms that people have not caught on to. Oh, absolutely. Yes, right. Well, I thank you for coming on, Daryl. Well, thanks, Sharon, for having me. It's been fun. Keep up. And keep up the good work you're doing. It's quite a mission. I certainly will. Thank you. Thank you. And you be well. I am. Thank you. You have a nice day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. 
Well, I think we learned a lot, and it's an interesting audience how the symptoms of all the symptoms that we have, I don't care whether it's a fungus on the toe to an allergy to a common cold to exhaustion to whatever, it almost all has something similar with each other. But as I'm saying to you that we need to learn, you need to drink a lot of water, and that water is vital to your health every day. I want you to go to the website, though, and look up Drinking Water and Diabetes, and you'll learn a lot about how to be proactive if you drink a lot of water. I want to thank you for listening today, but as I've said every show for 10 years, we thank all of our guests. Without them, what have we learned? We've learned so much more than we can imagine, and getting back to common sense. I want to thank you for listening and embrace your life every moment, but embrace somebody else's too. It's very important that your life and your energy are energizing with somebody else's energy and their life to be special too. But Earth whispers, don't say goodbye. Always leave something of yourself behind for everyone to know that you cared about all the children to come, that they're special too and their health. And, of course, the power of water is what keeps everything alive. I want to thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.